Hello, hello to God's wonderful, beloved, wonderful, precious people. I'm so glad I'm with you again today, talking about mighty power that moves mountains. Think about mountains in your life that can be moved today, whether it'll be disease or bondage or some problem with family or finance, all that can go because the Lord gave us a promise. He said, there is power in prayer to move mountains. And it is true. It's a reality. You know, I've had times in my life when I thought there is no way this could be solved. And then to my amazement in prayer, God gave me the peace and the faith for it. And you know what? It was gone. So no problem is that big for God. And no problem problem in your life is that big for God. It really isn't. All things are possible with him that believes. All things. So let's pray. Wonderful Lord, I thank you for your promises, your mighty power, and your word. Bless your people, I pray today. Gloriously, in Jesus' name, God's people said, Amen. Now, you know, when we talk about power that can move mountains, what's the secret? You know, there, there is a secret to all this, and I've been sharing with you the secret. And the secret is what God gives us in his word, really. So first, you all saw with me Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 and 6, where you have to get into your closet. Be quiet long enough in the presence of God, where God can, can quicken your heart. Because, you know, we cannot have power with God till God has joined himself in prayer. In other words, that the Holy Spirit becomes our partner in prayer. And he is doing the praying, and all we are doing is the yielding. That's it. We yield to the Holy Spirit as he prays the right prayer, already approved in heaven, to be answered. Because prayer in the Spirit is already approved to be answered. So that's what the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 6 and verse 6. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet or inner chamber. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father, which is in secret. And thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. What a powerful secret God is giving us here. Because see, as I've been telling you, this is where we recognize his presence. We're saying, Lord, you're worthy of my praise and my worship and my love and my time. I delight to be with you. And that is when worship is born. Because worship is born when the Holy Spirit quickens us. And that's another amazing key in the secret. These are not secrets. They are, it's a secret with a lot of blessed promises that, are, that, that come together, basically. And so it's really the presence of God is the secret, being quiet in his presence where God quickens us. And now we can pray properly. We can pray that spirit prayer. The Holy Spirit is praying. And then worship really begins. And the Bible says that God seeks those who worship in spirit and in truth. And the third, of, of, of course, is praying according to God's will. I've been sharing all this with you. This is the confidence. Now, who gives us the confidence? 1 John 5, 14. Who gives us that confidence? It's the Holy Spirit. It's not something we create on our own to have confidence in prayer. No, this is the confidence 
that we have in him. In him means he's the one praying. For this is the covenant we have in him. Let's look at that again. 1 John 5 and verse 14. For this is the covenant we have in him. And the word in him is the key that it's not our own covenant. It's the Lord's covenant in us. We are in him, in the spirit. We pray in with his faith, with his covenant. Like, you know, the Lord said, have the faith of God. Well, have faith. It's the faith of God we need. We surrender to his faith. We surrender to his prayer. And his prayer becomes our prayer, basically, as we surrender. So that confidence in him, it says beautifully, if we ask anything according to his will, well, we don't know his will by our, you know, by ourselves. We don't know his will just by reading the Bible. Says, oh, this is what God says. Well, let the Holy Spirit make the letter alive. And then we pray truly according to his will. Because Paul said in Ephesians 6, he says, all prayer should be in the spirit. Let all prayer be in the spirit, not, not in the flesh. And a lot of prayer today is all flesh, plain and simple. So now God has promised to answer prayer that the Holy Spirit is praying. And that's the prayer that moves mountains. All right, so for the right mountains to be moved, we have to pray the right prayer in the Spirit. And let's talk about God's will. So uh, Romans 12, 2 talks about God's will being progressive from good to acceptable to perfect. Well, that also happens when the Holy Spirit leads us when we know what the will of God is. And you know, and there is God's hidden will, secret will in Deuteronomy 29, which nobody knows. There is God's permissive will. God says yes, but it's not really his will. He's saying yes because we're asking so with such desperation we want something, like Balaam prayed, you know, and wanted to go to Balak. And God said no, and then he said yes. God did not change his mind. He was just saying basically to Balaam, okay, go your way. And he went and was punished, as we all know. And that's permissive. In Psalm 106, verse 15, it talks about God giving them their heart's desire, but sending leanness into their soul. But there is that will where we pray from the scripture, knowing what God has promised. But even that, you know, uh, it's all by the Spirit. I mean, you, you know, you know people. I've known people who just take a verse or two out and say, "Well, that's God's will for me," but God has not revealed that to them. You know, and God speaks into the wind of the Spirit. God's word only comes to us by the wind of the Spirit. God spoke in Genesis one after the Spirit moved. So. The word has got to have the breath with it. I told you, you can't hear my voice without my breath. So the breath carries the voice. You cannot take the word of God without the breath. You can't hear it without the breath. You can't receive it without the, the breath. And the breath is the Holy Spirit. God never said, read my lips. He said, hear my voice. And for the voice to be heard, we need the breath. The Holy Ghost. And it's the Holy Spirit who gives us that beautiful promise. 
it becomes real in our life to us. And then we can say, Lord, your will said. And then it's going to happen because it's all by the Spirit. So now, also, number four, I talked about how uh, prayer that moves mountains must be, must be daily prayer, daily contact with God. Because successful prayers means daily prayer, daily contact. So when someone's spiritual life begins to fall apart, it's because they, they lack daily contact with, with the Lord. And God can only work with, with us if we, if we are in contact with him, if we're in contact with him daily. And when we pray much, what happens is, when we pray daily, is a substance uh, is stored up. A substance of prayer is stored up. It's stored up in heaven, and and God, in the proper time, releases His power. So prayers outlive the lives of those who pray. And in Revelation eight three, it talks about the prayer of the saints being used at the at, at the right time in on God's calendar. Then and the saints by by that time well in in heaven because we see. Revelation 8 talks about the saints, their prayers, after they had prayed their prayers, being used by, by the angels in glory. And you remember Daniel 6.10 talks about how Daniel prayed three times a day. He wasn't waiting for some emergency to, uh, to be solved. He was keeping emergencies away by prayer. And a lot of people pray because there's a problem. But if we pray daily, we'll keep problems away. And if they do come, they are solved even before they show up, frankly. And that is what we also read in Psalm 55, 7 or 17, when David said he also prays three times a day. Three times a day. Okay, so I've, I've shared all this and more. Now let's go to number five. Number five is the blood. The blood of Jesus is so important to that power that removes mountains. So Hebrews 10 and verse 19. And again, I want to point out something that it says in all these verses. Having therefore, brethren, I'm reading verse 19, Hebrews 10, to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, now, if you look at Hebrews 4 and verse 16, it gives us another amazing uh, revelation on this. Let us therefore come boldly, now, or confidently, unto the throne of grace. It is impossible to come boldly without the Holy Spirit giving us boldness. So you say, okay, I can, I can come through that new and living way, through the blood, but who brings me in? Do I bring myself in? No, the Holy Spirit makes that possible. Let us therefore come boldly or with confidence unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. And the Bible says we are given access only by the Spirit. That's in the book of Romans. Our access is by the Holy Spirit. He gives us access into the presence of God. 
And we seem to forget the importance <clears throat> of the Holy Spirit in all this. It's nothing about the flesh, nothing about the flesh. So you come to the Lord, into your closet, in quietness. It's the Holy Spirit who quickens you. And he takes over from there. And everything that I've been talking about happens by the Spirit. Every one, every detail is by the Spirit. And so also with the blood. So in approaching the throne, we must have the assurance. Who gives us that assurance? The Holy Spirit. The assurance that our sins are forgiven. And <clears throat> the Holy Spirit will not give us that assurance without confessing our sins to the Lord. So unconfessed sin is the reason often we have no assurance when we come into God's presence. So sin must be confessed, and that is our job. So the Holy Spirit will take over when we simply obey what the Bible says about confessing our sin. Isaiah 59, you know, there's a very uh, dangerous um, theology out there about grace right now, extreme grace. And people seem to like it because people just want a free ride, in my opinion. But there's no free, free rides at all. We all have to die to self. We all have to confess our sin. And the teaching is that First John, chapter 1, was not written to believers. I don't know where, where, what Bible they're reading, because it was written to the church, not to unbelievers. A letter written, the first chapter, not to believers. I think what they seem to forget, there were no chapters when the Bible was written. It was a letter. A letter. How can you write a letter and the first few paragraphs are to somebody else? You know, paragraphs, uh, I should say chapters and verses, were came into the Bible later on in history, many years later. When the Bible was written, it was one book. Like Genesis was one book, there were no chapters, no verses. The chapters were brought in by the Archbishop of Canterbury, an Englishman, and the verses by a Frenchman who did it for himself to make it easier for himself to, to read the Bible. And today we focus on the, on the text while we should focus on the context of what the, what, the, what the book really is all about. Why was First John writing in the first place? He was writing because there was a heresy in those days of people saying Jesus is not divine and did not come in the flesh. He had to deal with it. And he was writing to the church, not to somebody else. So this teaching on extreme grace is not biblical. Take my word for it. And the word of the of church fathers who never said that. You know how you know that a message is solid? Go back in history. Go back 2,000 years and see what has been said and proven over and over and over by the fathers of the church, okay? I'm not talking about new preachers that come by today because they have an audience on TV. 
go back in history and see what they said about the same subject. Not one of them ever said that first John, the first part, was written to unbelievers. I can't even believe people even believe that. So we have to confess our sin. The Bible says in Isaiah 59, verse 1, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened. It cannot save. Neither his ear heavy, it cannot hear. Your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid his face from you. And we all know what it says in Psalm 32. David confessed his sin. And David said, without confession, there, there will be judgment. Look at, at Psalm 32, one of my favorites. Verse 1 says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. And Paul explains that of people who live in faith. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputes not iniquity, in whose spirit is no guile. But then he said, when, when I kept silence, in other words, when I didn't confess, my bones waxed old. There was judgment on my life through my roaring all day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. But then watch this. I acknowledge my sin unto thee. Verse 5. I acknowledge my sin unto thee. And my iniquity have I not hid from you. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. So are these people better than David? Who knew that he had to confess sin? Come on, please. So, when people live in the Spirit, they have conviction. God convicts them of sin when they commit sin. Dr. Bill Bright was one of the most amazing men that ever lived. And I heard him teach one time in California. He said, never have a short, or sorry, never have a long list with God. Make sure your, your list is quite short, meaning don't keep sin unconfessed. Have always a short list with God. Because you confess your sin right away and God forgives you. So many of the great saints, that's what they taught. You know who are the best Bible teachers today? Southern Baptists. Southern Baptists are the best. Dr. Charles Stanley, I honor that wonderful man. Solid. Jack Graham, solid. Dr. Jeffrey, solid. I'm, I'm a charismatic. And I can tell you, a lot of charismatic Bible teachers, I don't even listen to them. Because it's all hype, in, 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 in my opinion. A lot of noise and sweating and spitting and nobody says anything right. But you listen to these men. You listen to these amazing men who've blessed the world. So the Bible cannot change. And those who know it, Preach it just like it says. But when somebody wants crowd and money in a big ministry, sometimes they come up with some ideas that are not even biblical. So let's keep going. Another is faith, number six. And there's seven on the list, so I'm almost done. Faith. Faith is born in the presence of the Lord. Faith is not born by someone repeating a verse over and over and over and convincing themselves that God is talking to them. You can't convince yourself that God is talking to you just because you say something over and over. That's actually witchcraft. It's no different than what they do in the demonic. They're not repeating some Bible verse. They repeat something, whatever that they repeat. So repeating a Bible verse is not the way to reach God, you know. 
or receive faith, because faith is by the Spirit. And the Bible tells us this. Okay, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Oh, isn't the Word of God marvelous? Okay. So, the Bible is, is, is so beautiful. It says, but we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God has, has distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. So, in 2 Corinthians 4, 13, it's all there, it's so clear. All right, look at this amazing verse. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. So faith then is spiritual. We having the same spirit of faith. So faith is not mental. Faith is not something people repeat over and over to convince themselves that it's, it's true. The Holy Spirit gives us faith. He is the spirit of faith. It's right here, verse 13, 2 Corinthians 4. We having the same spirit of faith. Wow, so simple. You remember Jesus in the boat on the Sea of Galilee and the storm comes and they cry out, Lord save us, we're gonna perish. What does the Lord say? Where is your faith? In other words, did you leave the faith on the shore? Did the faith fall into the, the Sea of Galilee? No, I'm here. He is our faith. And what Jesus was saying is, I'm in the boat. I am your faith. Where is your faith? I'm here. And faith is a person. And I think this is where we've gone a little off in some cases. Because faith is Jesus. Even chapter 11 of Hebrews, the chapter of faith. It talks about seeking the Lord. He that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of them that seek him, not faith. So it's not about faith, it's about the Lord. We, we don't seek faith to find Jesus. We seek Jesus and faith comes because he is faith. And that happens again, it goes back to being in your closet, your prayer closet when the Holy Spirit quickens you and gives you faith, and then you'll see mountains move. And finally, number seven, which is something I had mentioned before, and that is by whose authority are we praying? Are we praying in our own authority? No, in Jesus' name, his authority. So that's the last beautiful secret or a part of the secret is John 14, 13, where the Lord said that every prayer will be answered when we come in his name, not in our own name. Whatsoever you will ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If, shall, if you will ask anything in my name, I will do it. So we come because Jesus, the Son of God, gave us permission, gave us the authority to use his amazing, glorious, mighty, 
matchless name. And when we come to the Lord, to God the Father, in the name of Jesus, we have an audience with him. He will hear our prayer. So think about what it means to have the power of attorney. It's like someone giving you a blank check who has a lot of money and, all, and they, they sign their name to the check but don't put the amount, giving you the authority to write the amount you need in the bank. That's the power of, of attorney. But the Lord gives us way more than that, way more than that. So he gives us that power to use. Think about this. It would be the same as though he was himself asking. So Jesus, the Lord, passed on to us his glorious office, his glorious authority. And the Lord repeats that in John 16, 24. So we would believe it. So he didn't just say to us one time. He said it way more than one time. He said, hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. Okay, let's pray right now that God Almighty will impart that knowledge in your life of what it means to have power in prayer to move the mountain that's facing your life or family. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come in agreement, in agreement with your people. Open their eyes. They may behold wondrous things out of your word. Oh, blessed Holy Spirit, visit their life. Touch their hearts. Let your word dwell richly in each one of them. And yes, Lord, I do pray and I believe with them that that mountain, whatever it may be, whether it's sickness or some bondage or a family problem or a financial problem or something else, it will be gone. It will be moved out of their way. This mountain shall be removed by your Holy Spirit. We give you the praise, the glory, the honor. Amen. It's that simple thing. It's that simple. Well, all right, now tomorrow I'll bring you another message on a different subject. But now it's time to give to the Lord's work. You know, I'm with you every day, ministering the word, because I want to strengthen you in the Lord. That's my true desire, my true desire. You know, years ago, I would travel a lot, and I'm, I'm getting a lot of invitations again I'm not accepting all of them. I'm accepting some of them because I don't want to miss this. I don't want to miss this. I am talking to more people on social media and our TV program now, which is on faith, on the faith channel, than, than I, I could if, if I traveled, you know, more than I did in the, in the past. Daily, thousands of you join me. Thousands of you. And now they're translating what I do in different languages. We're not even doing it. People are doing it because they want to bless their country. It's doing, and now people are doing this in India and other parts of the world, even in France and Europe. 
because they see there's value here. And I really want to finish what God gave me to do in this life, strengthening the church. You, that's my, and I, I can tell you from my heart, that's my true desire, that I would be a blessing to God's people. So would you support the ministry? Would you so see today? Help me keep doing what I'm doing. And the Lord will reward you because he promised so in his wonderful word. Okay, so you can give on the platform you're watching me on. You can go to our website, benin.org, or you can simply text BHM45777. And don't forget my new book, Mysteries of the, of the Anointing, 50 Years of Education on the Anointing, is in this book because I've discovered the dangerous too. I've discovered things I never knew I would discover when I began in ministry. The anointing is a mystery. And I talk and explain in simplicity that anyone can understand what are the mysteries of the anointing. How can we protect it when God uses us? Because he wants to use all of you. And it'll, it'll answer questions you may have had about uh, the power of God. So you can get this from your bookstore, from Amazon, uh, just go on even from Strang. Uh, it's actually published by Charisma House. So you can go to their website or our own website, benhin.org. All right, much love to you. I'll see you tomorrow.